Does your bike need some love? Shimano Original Replacement Parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I am Celine Yeager, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits into our lives. How are you, Patrick? Uh, I'm I'm a little bruised, if I'm truthful. Hmm, what'd you do? <laughs> I went for a mountain bike ride yesterday with a longtime legendary mountain bike god and badass, Mark Weir, and a few other people. I love people. Mark, yep. Um... I, you know, I've been hearing about that guy for years and suddenly I'm right there and, you know, you hear all these funny stories about like him being kind of an intense dude mm-hmm. and he was gentle and <laughs> lovely. And, uh, I was, you know, I left, I left today going, I want to spend more time with that guy. I want to Maybe that near death experience was good for him. No, I'm just. It's, it's sorry, funny to, Mark, if you're listening. <laughs> well, it's it's funny, you know, the sorts of things that can reorder your life. Yeah, uh, I might have a little experience there recently myself. <laughs> he, yeah. he is genuinely um, I have known Mark for many, many years, and he is genuinely he has always had a very good heart, even underneath maybe what has sometimes been an abrasive jackass exterior. Uh, <laughs> and I would say that to his face and he knows that he is, but I've always, I've always had a soft spot for him and he is genuinely an incredibly generous and good person. He works with vets. He, you know, took, he took, uh, lots of uh, people under his wing, you know, troubled kids that just needed an outlet on a bike, you know, and would be in juvie or worse probably if it, mm-hmm. if it weren't for him. And he does it all quietly. And he's very funny and I, I always, I really appreciate him. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, I'll talk more about that when I get to my poll, but, uh, I did happen to contact the earth a couple times yesterday. I keep finding <laughs> little knots and bruises on me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get to call that an occupational hazard. That's true. I, I have, uh, I've had plenty of those occupational hazards <laughs> in my life. Yes. How about yourself? I am well. I am well. Just uh, it's been a kind of I mean, I've been busy, but it's been kind of an uneventful, uneventful stretch here. Just working. I think everybody's cranking away before the holidays, you know, like it, because Thanksgiving was so late, like the publishing world has been kind of bananas. You know, everything is due like three days ago and nobody's around to help you because everyone's sort of away. In holiday. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it just occurred to me that cross gnats are going on. Like I sort of th- those were off my radar, but all of a sudden I see a bunch of people going out, friends of mine, and I'm like, oh yeah, that. So yeah, yeah, Tacoma, Washington. That's going to be entertaining. It looks like it's wet so far. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Washington <laughs> State. Yeah, that's true. So uh, uh, people are saying good things about the course. I've only seen. I saw some clips. Some people at GoPros. I saw Adam Myerson talking about it. And, some friends of mine, uh, I think uh, the Crosshairs guys have been doing 
you know, a little bit, putting out uh-huh. some stuff here and there with it. So should be kind of, it's always, I always enjoy just seeing, because I have a lot of, uh, just a lot of people I've raced with and friends of mine throughout the years that do pretty well, you know, in the nationals. So it's always exciting. Oh, that must be entertaining, right? You know? it, it, yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually super. I've never actually raced cross nationals myself. I raced mountain bike nationals when they were here, but I've never, by the time this time of year, I've just never been I'm like, even when I was racing cross seriously, I was like, I'm done. I'm not in December. It's just not, not my time to go out and try to have my best race of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. I did the 35 to 39 masters at cross nationals twice. Uh, oh, yeah. I, where was that? One was Fort Devons uh, in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And the other was in the Presidio like a year or two later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, both were really, really dynamite courses, vastly dim- different temperature wise, if I might say, <laughs> I, you know, California to Massachusetts in December, in December. Fair, fair. Yes. Yeah. Little different. One might've been colder than the other. Mm, there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I didn't finish one of them. I may not have finished the other because the fast guys were notably faster than me. Hmm. So they like the eighty percent rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. I've never start, liked that. Eh, it's a whole other thing. We can talk about it. I, I get grouchy about the 80% some. Rule. Well, some some fields get so big that to score them properly, you got to start clearing out the chaff. And uh, if I get called chaff, it's probably not without reason. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but. There's uh, anyway, I get grouchy about that. There are ways that they could definitely score it without pulling people, I believe. Well, well, now with RFID chips, you know, you don't ever need to pull anybody ever again. Totally. That's that's how I feel about it. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, it'll be exciting to watch people I know go out there. I'm wishing them well. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, What are we pulling today? We're pulling together a potluck today. (laughs) This is what I decided that I was going to do. Ooh, I'm uh, hungry. Yeah. No, I'm not so good at that. But anyway, um, I've been collecting because we do. We get, you know, people direct message me on Facebook. They send me questions on Instagram. We get some stuff in the show notes. Um, oh, I have a question. I have an idea. And a lot of times it's kind of like a good question or idea, but it's not a full poll. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's not something that I can go on and on about. Um, so I just pulled together some that have just been sitting there looking at me that I think are you know, the, the audience might find interesting and somebody will probably benefit from, but that is not exactly something that, uh, you know, I'm going to go on very long about, let's put it that way. So uh, without further ado, I will start with question number one. Um, this is a Colin. He is new to the world of podcasts. He is very excited about ours. Thank you, Colin. Um, the ability to speak deep personal issues, which affect how bike experience touches both of you is inspiring. I may be going through some struggles at the moment, and both of you have positively helped me through some darkness, and I appreciate that. Wow. He says he's 41, a former fastish Cat 2 pro elite mountain bike racer. Um, his last, speaking of Nats, his last race was Cross Nats in 2003, where oh. he finished top 20. Um, Dang. No kidding. Uh, then That's a guy he who slapped me. <laughs> he's, he's the reason that you didn't finish. Um, <laughs> Colin. Anyway, 
Uh, since then, you know, he's sort of had a life change. He had changed careers, managed to find a woman who loves me despite myself, had two children, gained 40 pounds, developed type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and cholesterol. Life happens, Colin. That does not, yeah. It, well, that's the things, that's metabolic syndrome, as they say. Like, all those things tend to cluster together. Um, uh, needless to say, Colin says there was considerable depression, anger, and frustration. In 2014, I decided that it was time to get off the couch, find a way to get rid of my diseases. Um, first day in the trainer was a disaster. I only made it 10 minutes. Goes on and on. Fast forward to today. Things are much better. Says, but I'm still a diabetic, mostly controlled with diet and exercise. I've lost 30 of those 40 pounds, cholesterol under control, working my way to healthy blood pressure. Life is better. A little more zen, etc. So he is... Um, enjoying gravel in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And he says, though apprehensive, my intention for the upcoming 2020 season is to finally enter some local gravel events, which includes Rebecca's private Idaho, which I have already entered. Now we get to some of the sticking problems. How do I fuel myself with my diabetic condition is. Oh, yeah. Which is what he's curious about. I find that supplements on the bike seem to spike my blood sugar. A regular 40 to 60 point spike is okay. But when I intake uh, high carb energy foods, my blood sugar spikes well over 100 points, which is uh, where the diet, (laughs) where is the majority of the diabetic damage occurs, he says. I have tried scratch labs, Osmo, Noon, etc. for faster energy, but seem to always end up with the same results. Do you think I need to start feeding myself prior to the events with more protein? Does that limit the amount of matches I have to burn? He goes on and on. So I am not a doctor. I'm going to say that right up front. I am not a sports nutritionist. I will not. I like these things are not. I don't have those letters behind my name. So you need to. Being I have written stories for type one diabetics, which is very, very different. I mean, they that's a that's much harder in many ways. Right. yeah, because it's yeah they they have their pancreas. It's just not working. It's a whole different disease. Um, that is not taking the type two manageable diabetes lightly. I fully understand that that also can be problematic on the bike. But many many people manage it very well. So it is absolutely you are absolutely able to do that. It, I from working with people with type two, it's also very individual, right? So I'm going to give you some broad brushes but i'm also going to tell you like if you don't have a doctor that knows what you do please try to find one because they will understand like you should try to find a doctor that that understands that you don't just ride your bike that you actually are going to be on be on your bike for seven hours uh you know come at a time and that's a very very different thing from what most people are doing what from the majority of people are doing and what from the majority of doctors see and my experience is that people who have different conditions, who work with a regular doctor with them, uh, their doctor really doesn't know what they're doing. Like I have I have talked to both sides of that and have seen it very clearly. Like the doctor actually just doesn't know what they're doing because they don't they don't treat someone who does a 100 mile gravel event like they, that's it's not the majority of the population. Right. How um, often does a doctor encounter a cyclist who's on the bike long enough that they need to stop and eat? Totally. Exactly. So um, I'm not sure what 
what products in the new line that you have tried. Uh, the tabs are not, they are very low if no sugar at this point. So that noon should be fine when you're talking about sugar. I mean, you do need, especially with diabetes, you need to stay hydrated. That's really important. And the electrolytes in noon should help with that without the sugar spike that you're talking about. Um, talking super, super, super broadly, you really shouldn't be burning a ton of matches at a gravel event because the, the, the goal is not to burn a lot of matches in your gravel event. So you, um, you know, people often think you need carbs, 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 sugar, sugar, sugar. For this kind of endurance stuff, you really don't need carbs. And nobody at any end of the spectrum needs tons of carbs, 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 sugar, sugar, sugar. You can definitely have, um, you know, like something nut butter based that'll help slow down some of those carbohydrates and give you a little fat because you're going to be burning fat out there when you're doing Rebecca's private Idaho for all those miles. Um, you know, I would start there. I would start fueling yourself beforehand. Like you said, a little more protein, healthy fats, you know, some avocado toast, like whatever that looks like for you. And then just eat real food on the bike too. Like you don't need a lot of sports stuff is glorified candy. I'm, it just is, you know, yep. like yep. It, it, it gum, you might as well eat gum drops and jelly beans. And some people do, you know, like some runners just say the heck with it. I'm actually going to eat candy because I'm really just buying expensive candy. So try to eat, try to eat some real food and it's going to take some trial and error for sure. But you have lots and lots of time before next Labor Day to practice your nutrition, you know, practice, practice that, that balanced macronutrient snack beforehand and real food with like a low sugar drink on the bike. And aside from maybe pushing it to go up some of the harder climbs, you really shouldn't see much red. You should not go into the red very often on those rides. So you, you, you totally should be fine. Do you have any thoughts on that, Patrick? Bacon? I support that as well. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I completely agree with you that, that, you know, if you're going to be on the bike more than three hours and you're going into the red zone, you're either a badass or mistaken. Yes. That's a good, yep. Yeah. And, uh, I know that I'm not a badass. So when I see that I'm, I'm mistaken. <laughs> I, I don't In my know. case, it's simple. In his case, it may be a little com more complicated because he was a badass. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so that's fair. When you talk about matches, maybe you are. I, I didn't even. And forgive me, Con. I did, didn't. You maybe you're getting back into this to try to get back to the pointy end of the field. And there's no reason that you can't. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that you should be give yourself a grace period now. That, that you're getting back into it to learn your new body, like, and to learn your new fueling system. So maybe, maybe just go to Rebecca's to not try to find that PR or podium right away, but try to just figure out what this looks like for you first. Just like give yourself that mental break. That might help a lot. So you just take this season as your learning curve as you're getting back into this and gravel's kind of new to you too. And then I am very optimistic that you'll find something that works for you the one other thing i'll observe is you know since he did mention wrestling with some anxiety and depression i think it's really important to find new ways to define what a win is for you 
mm. how you derive satisfaction. Uh, and so that, you know, even if you go out and you do a gravel event and you finish in, oh, say like I've done in the bottom 20% at times, you know, there are ways to see that as still a really successful day. Miguel Crawford, who puts on all the grasshoppers, mm-hmm. he'll tell the person who finished last place, you were still la- you were still faster than everybody who didn't show up. A thousand times. I believe, I mean, you, you still have done something. 98% of people have not done <laughs> like that. That is a win. That is, that is a being a success. Yeah. This is, just, this is, yeah. I, and one of the, one yeah. of the very biggest pieces of wrestling with depression and keeping it at bay. is just being nice to yourself, figuring out how yep. to be nice to yourself. Yeah. And maybe because you're probably goal oriented because people who used to race as you know, I, I get it. I'm a very goal oriented person is, is make your, just change your goal, make your goal to figure this out, to figure out your sports nutrition strategy. That's a great goal. Cause that's going to, that's going to carry you through whatever else you, you tackle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a go forward thing. That's not just the one day. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be good for the rest of everything, you know? So good luck. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Let us know how you did. Totally. (laughs) Well, it goes. Yeah. Check in. So the next one is, uh, hi, Selena. I hope this finds you well. I'm an avid listener to the pace line. And sometimes you discuss questions from listeners. Yes, we do. I don't know whether my question has been covered somewhere, but I'm interested in hearing about cyclists who have artificial joints, knees, hips, and for personal reasons, shoulders. Shoulders are trickier. Happy holidays, SBC. Uh, SBC. Yes. I shoulders. I I'm, I'm guessing that that's your thing. I can tell you, I've got many, many, many friends who have artificial hips, uh, of all ages, you know, they, they, some of them had congenital things and some of them were just older. Some of them ran them into the ground, like whatever the case was, people can do super, super well with like, that is, that is remarkable to me. Again, I think it's always great to find a doctor who knows what you're doing and what you want to do. I, I fully believe that. Uh, orthopods tend to be a little easier to find that really get that. Um, but I have myriad friends who got both hips replaced and were, were doing like long charity events that year, like later that year. I mean, it just literally was a matter of months that they, they healed very, very well. And they were better than they were before. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, because they're... I, it's it's quite it's quite remarkable. Knees can be a little trickier of a heel than hips. Um, but yet, I mean, cycling is actually the rehab of choice for art of like for knee replacement people to get them moving again. So that's uh, that's good. And because um, it's not impact and it's pretty consistent, like the knee shouldn't be a problem. The shoulder, I, you don't say whether you're an, a mountain biker or a road cyclist. Uh, shoulders are definitely trickier joints. Um, and for a mountain biker, it would be a harder thing for sure than a road cyclist, just because of the, the necessary movement of the upper body of the, of what the, sh- the shoulder takes. Um, again, I'm not an orthopod. I talked to some people though about this question and I don't know if you already have the joint or if you're looking at it, there seems to be it seems to be worthwhile to get an opinion if you do have something like that to ask if you need a replacement or if there's a reconstructed surgery you can have that's not a complete replacement. 
Uh, some people seem to do a little better with the reconstruction. And if you do go the full road, and there are plenty of, most of the guys I talked to were moto guys, like motorcycle people who had, like, just totally destroyed their shoulders, <laughs> ripped them out, you know, like, all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, having dislocated a shoulder, have you mm. ever dislocated your shoulder? Uh, both of them numerous times, yeah. yeah. Oh, Great fun. Great fun. So much pain. Anyway, um, yeah, super painful. It's, I would, I would strenuously encourage you and the people I consulted would also strenuously encourage you to do proper rehab. Uh, that seems to really be the key to, to do. It's tedious. PT is so tedious and it hurts and it's not fun, but it does seem to be the ticket. And then not to, once you do feel a little better, decide that you're healed, like actually go through the entire process to the letter. And I think that you're in, um, that should help you with the shoulder situation from what I understand. And having gone through PT with a shoulder, it, it, it's a tricky joint. It's not, it, it's one of the, the trickier joints we have actually, just because of the range of motion you have with it. Right. Right. 360 degree range of motion like the hip, but what is it about the shoulder that makes it so much more difficult than a hip is it because on the on the bike you're still weight bearing? You're not weight bearing with your hip on a bike in the same way. Well, for moto, like a motorcycle, for sure, you're demanding an awful lot of that. Sure, of that shoulder, and and like on a. That's why I'm guessing this guy's a mountain biker, um, because on a road bike it's not. It, I mean, you're bearing a little weight, but it's it's really. I mean, people ride with broken collarbones and just like people ride with that stuff all the time. It's not quite the same. Um, yeah, the, the absorption hurts until you heal, but, uh, on a mountain bike, I mean, you are, you're, you're, it demands a level of shoulder stability, not, it's not as much the mobility and the shoulder for many people can be a shallower socket. That's why there are some people, men tend to fall into this more for whatever reason than women tend to be chronic, um, chronic dislocators, Oh, you know? Yeah. Present company included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you probably have just a shall shallower socket. Most people don't <laughs> dislocate their legs that easily. Then. Yeah, I've never done that one. Mm, I've nope. never actually heard of anyone dislocating their leg. I bet that would be the most terrible thing. Um, a friend of mine dislocated his big toe a couple of weeks ago. I, <laughs> okay. I, I saw the picture and I was like, that is really terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So I didn't even know that you could do that. But anyway, that's why shoulders are just Shoulders are trickier just because they are uh, often more shallow, more delicate and that full range of motion. I mean, and you've also got smaller. You don't have the glutes hanging on there, right? You've got like it's a it's right. a more small. Yeah, there's less protection because there's less muscle mass, especially if yeah. you're a cyclist because. Yeah. Vestigial. Right, right. We <laughs> don't have giant um, deltoids, hang, you know, holding everything together. So. So I don't know if that like good luck. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't know what where in the process you are, but if you're having trouble, I mean, it might be worth seeing um, a PT person. Like I, I'm a big fan of those guys. They can, if you find a sports oriented practice, they love that stuff. I mean, their goal is to get you mobile, and they, they get it. They you know well, they they uh, they do the sports. They yeah. they just understand. Well, and they love working with somebody who's actually going to apply themselves. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's really, they get great job satisfaction out of seeing somebody do all the stuff that they've given them and get better. Totally. 
totally. So yeah, yeah. find somebody. I mean, it's you. You'll you, you can definitely work with that. Definitely. Um, yeah. we have somebody who says, uh. Patrick and Celine, is it possible for you guys to give away the items you have reviewed, books, etc., to your podcast listeners? Just a thought. Um, and then he says, I rode Unpaved plenty this year. And plenty is the 90 mile course, which is amazing. Plenty. <laughs> plenty. It is actually plenty. You can go for that extra 30. It's very, very hard. But the um, or the extra 40, I guess. But the the, the 90 is actually plenty uh anyway he says it's the toughest but the coolest ride i have done uh it wasn't a race because the anything under the 120 is not officially a race it's timed but there are, there's no podium for it uh but i rode hard enjoyed the views and the brakes and the cl- the climbing stretched me uh in regards to getting into racing i haven't felt the need to race so he wants to do more events and get experience versus races and uh, I would say, A, I don't know about you, Patrick, but I don't actually give much of the stuff that I have to review away. Some of it goes to charity, but like the books I usually keep and everything else gets pretty hard used. If I don't, if it's something that I haven't used very hard, it's different. I'm with bicycling. It goes to the bicycling offices. So mm-hmm. usually it gets it goes to either our local junior clubs, you know, that kind of stuff. We help feed a lot of those, those systems, but I don't have a whole lot. Of, I try not to have a whole lot of stuff hanging around that I don't use. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the first biggest challenge is, you know, I mean, it's a neat idea and it's, it's something I like. It would be a wonderful way to, to deal with things that aren't heavily used by the time we get finished. But the challenge there is that you've got the fulfillment issue actually oh. getting it packed up you would and never then, get it <laughs> I, would ne- I would never put it in a box and go to the mail the post office right and then there's paying for shipping and so yeah. i i don't make enough to really be able to undertake that shipping uh, my solution because we've been hit by fires here is i've got a number of friends who you know they're still kind of digging out to one degree or another and yeah. uh, also some friends who are pretty low on the whole income totem pole thing. And so to, to hand off some tires that are lightly used, I feel good about that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a step in the right direction, but there's a lot of stuff that, yeah, the publications move through and finding a a nice conduit to get that to other people who would benefit. Yeah. It's, it's something worthy of thinking about and trying to address. Definitely. Definitely. Huge, huge proponent of that. As far as finding events, I'm going to just say any event you do. I mean, there are, I will say that, yes, some events are more racy, you know, that you'll find more racer types. But if you line up three rows behind those racer types, it's an event and you can just divide it however you want to ride it. Um, You know, most big gravel events are like that. The majority of people that you'll find are there to just have a big day. So, you know. All the best dressed people are at the back of the field. That's where all the great outfits are. That is, that is a fact. So yeah, just go to the gravel tab under bike reg and look in your area and you know, you will definitely find some stuff and you can usually tell from the race description and there's almost always videos and stuff with those, you know, now on the websites, you can find something that, that captures your imagination and suits you for sure. I would say. Yeah. 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 we have proven that this is not a fad. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that is very safe to say. Very safe to say. The final nail is in that coffin for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. And then the last question we have in the potluck and the potluck picks here. Um guy says he's often leaving for work and he has a two hour mountain bike ra- ride on tap and he doesn't have dinner. So what should I eat? If my supper choice is basically convenience store food, especially wanting to know about made to order food from Sheets or Wawa. And I would say, I love that. I love that you made that face because I'm going to say first, my friend, Wawa is superior to Sheets. Everyone knows that. Patrick, have you heard of either of these? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's all sailing right over my head. I was looking for the spelling. It's like, I should probably know this. No, I'm clueless here. <laughs> we actually me, have Wawa University here. I will have you know. Or Wawa, I think it's Wawa College, Wawa University. Somebody will correct me. Um, Wawa is a, it's like our 7-Eleven. You know, it's like oh. our, but it's it's bigger and better than that. And uh, Sheets is a little more Western PA based, but they've been making their way east. And it's again, it's like a stop on the highway. It's that kind of a convenience store where they have kind of everything. Lots of made to order stuff. They have a sort of a sandwich wrap breakfast. You can go there anytime and punch in what you want of made to order things on the screens. And um, yeah, they're very popular. And I uh, pretty much ate my way across the state when I was riding across the state with a group a couple of years ago. Wawa's, please. I mean, the other some of the people liked sheets. They were OK. But um, the, the, the big answer is if you're doing a mountain bike, the only thing I'm going to say about this is that you can find pretty much any food at any of those places. It is amazing what you can find. at Really? Oh, my God. Really? And good food, like real legit good food, not just crap. But you can find you can find tons of crap, too. But you can find <laughs> legit food. I will um, say our 7-Elevens have gotten better. Yeah, ours are still junk. Ours are not good here. They're, I, I mean, mean you if you probably... look carefully. <laughs> but even then, like, if that's all you have, I bet you can find a banana. Mm-hmm. And I bet you can find, like, some nut, like some peanut butter anyway, some jiff or something. Like, Prosciutto probably. and cheese. Fine. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, see, the only thing with a mountain bike is, is if it's anything like here where you're, like, it, climbing very steep stuff immediately, you don't want something spicy too heavy that's going to come right back up on you right like i would i would make it just like a small reasonable meal you know just get like a little wrap or like you said just like some cheese and crackers or whatever just uh not too much fat not too much fiber a little a little carb a little protein and you're good you're good just treat it like a just a small mini meal before you go but oh my god you can find so many things at any of those stores that does sound better than what we have around here Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it almost sounds uh kind of like an enjoyable stop. It is. It is actually an enjoyable <laughs> stop. People actually really enjoy them and fight over which one is preferable. But uh, it's a contentious. <laughs> of course, it is a contentious thing in Pennsylvania. But if you have um, a choice, somebody's going to have a preference. Yes, a very strong opinion. And I'm a Wawa person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> noted. Noted. I'll, I'll keep come, that come. in mind. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for your questions. That commences my potluck poll. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, that means it's time for us to take a break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we will be right back. We're going to take a short break for our sponsor, Shimano, and we'll be right back. At Shimano, we love riding, and we know you do too. 
as a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life, we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly. Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. To keep that love burning bright, show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay, we are back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, what's in uh, your corner this week? Yeah, well, so last week I revealed that I have a new gig. I'm the interim executive director for the California Mountain Biking Coalition. I tell you, this is a job I'm really excited about, not only because I love the work, but also because I don't have to completely walk away from my work as a member of the media. I get to keep writing and recording with you for that matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday, I had my first official meeting as a part of the organization. When board president Jake Bayless and two of our board members, Vernon Huffman and Matthew Blaine and I went down to a ranch in Marin County near Nevada, which is northern Marin, to meet with mountain, uh, as I mentioned, mountain bike god Mark Weir, and then also a representative from Bosch, this fellow Stephen. They supply motors to the EMTBs that Cannadale makes, which Cannadale is Weir's longtime sponsor. Yeah, long time. Yeah. CAMTB is a new organization, just to reiterate. And we exist for the sole purpose of lobbying at the state capitol in Sacramento. The lobbying we do is based on feedback that we get from our member orgs, the regional nonprofits that have been working in advocacy for regions like San Diego, Wistimba, Corba in LA, and Remba up here in the North Bay. We are really doing all we can to stress to people that our style is not top down, but rather to listen and find consensus. We're, we're going to be in Sacramento to represent them and their members, not tell them what they need. So the reason that we were meeting with Weir and Bosch was because anyone involved in advocacy will tell you, you got to have an ear to the ground in terms of e-bikes, particularly e-mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. So whether you're for or against them, They're going to be out there. They're being sold by the bushel. And as a member of, you know, this advocacy team, it's incumbent upon us to know the lay of the land. Weir has become an EMTB evangelist since he had his heart attack, Mm -hmm. after which you interviewed him. Uh, That was episode 137. And it was a 99% blockage of his, uh, of the artery artery that they call the widow maker. Yep. And yeah, serious stuff. So they, uh, they installed a stint in him or implanted or inserted. I don't know which verb that is, but 
uh, medical device inside Mark. <laughs> we'll stop there. Uh, he took some time to recover and then started riding an EMTB. When he went back to visit his cardiologist a few months later, he took training peaks data that he had from back when he was fit. Mm -hmm. And then also a file that he recorded more recently using his EMTB. The, the short version is that his doctor said he didn't ever want to see him ride a regular mountain bike again at all, period. There were so many short, punchy sections that he was riding that Mark said basically it was like doing squats all day long, just yep. really hard on the body. And that's hard on your heart. That creates a lot right. of pressure. I just wrote about that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, but the file that he recorded with the e-bike was basically zone two, a little bit of zone three all day long. Perfect. And so now he can do all the riding that he wants. He can still go out and do, you know, a seven hour, 7,000 foot climbing day. He can still do that. Rip all the descents, all, you know, the way he used to, mm -hmm. but he's not putting his heart under any great stress. Right. You know, it's not the sort of thing that, uh, I'm told and he was told should lead to enlargening of the heart. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a remarkable thing to hear him talk about because for him, it's almost like, uh, what I experienced in the South with, in terms of, uh, born again, Christians being saved. Hmm. He saw the light. It's that sort of transformation. I, I fully believe that. And and to give credit where due or, or, you know, so that people don't think I'm in any way being insulting. This is something that's deep down inside. This is, you know, this isn't just a, a new behavior for him. This is something that is all, it, it translated into a certain sort of value system in terms of we can change the world in terms of getting more people on bikes by doing this. Yeah. And his ability to connect those dots and see the value was really enjoyable to listen to. And it was a lot of fun to hear his perspective and hear how he sells groups who aren't cyclists. Like he hangs out with these Jeep guys, the Jeep that he had in the barn that we got to. <laughs> Holy cow. That, <laughs> yeah. that Hemi dropped in it. Oh my gosh. I'm not sure I'm rated for that much fun, but he'll, he'll get together with these guys, do a barbecue and then whip out some e-bikes and, you know, before seven days have gone by, somebody in that group has gone, if not several somebodies, have gone out and bought e-bikes. Yep. Yep. So uh, I, I do have to say, little aside, on one of the descents, we came upon a downed tree, maybe six inches in diameter. Weir bunny hopped it like it was nothing because he's Mark Weir. Uh, and then when I got to it, I went to pick up the front end and muscle memory kicked in which was my brain telling my arms that, oh, you know, the front end of a bike's not all that heavy. So when I went to pull up and it was twice as heavy as what my <laughs> body was thinking it was going to be, the yep. front end really didn't come up. <laughs> Tire hits wet wood. What happens then? Oh boy. It slips, turns the front wheel. And I did my very best impression of Clark Kent out of his disguise. I've been there. Yeah. Full Superman. <laughs> um, yeah. I suppose I'll have to share that photo now. Uh, it's not me on the ground, just the, all the dirt oh. on my face. Yeah. <laughs> but that would be. Oh, is that I... what happened? I didn't ask. Like, <laughs> like, I saw that you had a little, a couple marks on your face. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, the entire rest of the afternoon, I was spitting dirt out. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the neat things about that ride was that because we were in wet conditions, it was a chance to have some unusual, surprising, unexpected mm-hmm. experiences. Like, thanks to super smooth power and torque, I never, mm-hmm. ever spun the rear wheel. Everybody talks about trail damage because of EMTBs. Yeah. I'm going to say that we damaged trails less than we would have on normal mountain bikes because we weren't spinning tires. We weren't getting out of the saddle and thrashing. And so even, you know, even the fact that on the descents, you know, you've got all this extra weight down low below the center of gravity. So we had better traction. Again, you're damaging the trail less. Um, And then there's the fact that you can climb stuff that's 14% in zone two. Not a bad thing at all. And let me be clear. I hear all the complaints and arguments against e-bikes. And I understand the opposition. But one of the big reasons people oppose them, you know, because they were illegal on most trails and were only going to cause access issues for cyclists. That's been decreased to a great degree here in California because now there's been this decree and they're legal in state parks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get not everybody's pleased about that, but mm-hmm. you know, that's the fact they are now yep. legal in state parks as to the cluelessness of some of the riders who are on these things and pass too close or pass too fast or pass too close too fast. The etiquette thing is something that comes with knowledge. We all started out as clueless. Well, mm-hmm. I started out as clueless uh, and you know, they just need more experience. And If we ostracize them, you're never going to have a conversation with them about, hey, give me a little more room, you know, or or maybe ease off, you know, back off one click on on the assist before you pass somebody. We're not going to get anywhere if we really, you know, just completely ostracize these people. And it's important to remember that for a lot of these people going out and buying these bikes, they haven't been on a bike since the Nixon administration. It's been a long time, but yeah, talking with Weir about, you know, his time with Jeep guys, motorcycle guys, the RC car guys, mm-hmm. he, he really sees the opportunity to bring vast numbers of new people into the sport. And when we talk about how bike shops are struggling, how we need more numbers for advocacy, this is an opportunity. So, yeah, I see the opportunity to grow our numbers so that we have more clout when it comes time for CAMTB to do lobbying. I am still aware that there is some real opposition from the bike community to them. I'm not about to tell people that they need to just go out and buy one. I don't believe that even remotely. But I do think that most folks like to think of themselves as reasonable and rational. So, all I would really love to do here is suggest that people take some time go out do a test ride there are demos going on all over the place because they really want to sell these things badly you it's easier to find an e-mountain bike demo than it is any other sort of demo currently Mm -hmm. and i think it's one of those things that once you get on one and you ride it and you have that experience it's hard to go okay this thing's awful and should be destroyed i just (laughs) you know It doesn't solve any of the problems that we face, but I think if within our own community, we can better understand them, 
it will be easier to have a conversation about them. As long as it's emotional, nope, don't want it, don't want to know about it, get it out of here. We're not, we're not going to have a, a constructive conversation about what to do on the advocacy front. And for me, being at that meeting was a chance to say, you know, we can't, we can't ever take a position that's anti-EMTB because we need to be at the table when those decisions are being made. And so if we come out as in direct opposition to that, uh, that category, we, we won't be serving the bike community at, at large. And that's, that's the need for me. That's what I want to do. I'd like to build a bigger tent if I can. Yeah, that's very, that's a very cool story. And you know what I, while you were talking, what I'm, the light bulbs that kept going on and what I kept hearing was when you, they're here, e-bikes are here, they are here, they're not going anywhere. But when, when you get people, other users, like you're talking about Mm -hmm. people in Jeeps, people who do other outdoor users on them. We have larger advocacy. We have more people on our side to keep trails, to build more trails. To do, like, like that really does benefit all of us. I do believe that anyone who's going to be a jackass on a bike is a jackass on a bike, and the motor doesn't make them any more or less so. <laughs> there are plenty of people who have done that without motors for decades. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that education always has to happen. I mean, there's all... The, we're always trying to like make this excuses. Like we're trying to save people from themselves. They'll go too fast. They'll go, whatever they'll get hurt. (laughs) I mean, we're, you know, we're such a straw man argument. It, it, it very much is. Um, but having, it reminds me like my years and years ago, like, you know, here in the East, we have, we have issues with hunters and that kind of access, like the state game lands. It's a giant tug of war, like who has the right to be on what land. And, um, but my, my uncle, got a mountain bike so he could get further in the woods quicker to his tree stand you know so like all of a sudden he understood and became an advocate for bikes because he wanted to be able to take his bike in the woods to get to his tree stand and to get stuff in and out easier in the woods uh it's the same thing like that stuff you're talking about like those are people who are going to fight for us and they're going to be like we, we grow in numbers and that I yeah. don't see any bad things happening with that. Sure, there'll be bumps and growing pain and this and that, but it's it, the more that I spend time listening to stories like that, riding them myself, seeing people get back on bikes. I, man, I mean, I started the same way so many people, just rolling my eyes and being angry and being frustrated and being like, wow, I don't want this to be my sport. But I have changed my tune an awful lot on them. And I, I see them as a giant net positive. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think about, and you know, the, the argument of getting old comes up over and over. I could be 70 years old and be a mountain biker in Memphis where I grew up with no difficulty whatsoever. I could have slick rock. Are you kidding me? You can do anything. (laughs) Yeah. So that's okay. That's a great thing. Right. But here riding Anadol state. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. I'm seeing what you're saying. I'm sorry. The the technical challenge of that place I don't know that I'll be able to get up some of those climbs when I'm 70 or through some of those rocks when right. I'm 70. I didn't know what Memphis riding was like. So I thought that maybe you were saying it was hard, but you're saying that it would be easy enough that you could be 70 and probably ride. But yeah. like going some totally, I totally get what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. You 
Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's also the simple fact that you just get on an e-bike and <laughs> good golly, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> they are a lot of fun. I mean, anytime I hear someone complaining, I say, have you ridden one? And the answer is always no. It's always no. Like, uh, yeah. The acceleration, you know, the acceleration that does not tear up a trail <laughs> once again. Yeah. It's so smooth and you know, it's, it's the way you used to be <laughs> for an awful lot of people. It's like, oh yeah, I used to be this kind of badass. It is harder though. Like it is harder over to get out. Cause we have a lot of logs here mm-hmm. and it's funny when you said that. Cause like I, I get over them pretty easily, but yeah, I, when I take one of the e-bikes to test, they are harder. Um, I mean, it is, it's mountain biking, but it's different. It's different. It's, it's different. It's it feels more, like a different sport. Yeah, it's more different than hardtail to soft tail. Yes, 100%. Yes, it is a very different thing. And I said that right away. As soon as I got on one, I'm like, it was fun. It's not mountain biking in my head as I know it. It's, it's, an, it's another thing. And I like this thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, a, it's a different thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to tell people that I'm cyclophilic, that if it's got... Uh, you know, two wheels, pedals, and a handlebar, I'm in. And, you know, these things have two wheels, pedals, and a handlebar. Uh, yeah, they've also got a motor, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, More people uh, on bikes. Yeah. More people on bikes. Yep. Yeah, that's what Different we need. Different kinds of people on bikes. What about yeah. normal people on bikes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, there's an upside there in that we won't seem quite so weird anymore. I think some people don't like that. I do. I think that it's kind of like that. that. We're, that we're not as like the little exclusive cool club, you know? I mean, there's definitely, and people will still find, you'll still find your way to be in the cool club. Don't worry. But there are definitely people who have, you know, like, it's like, I used to like that band, but now everybody likes that. band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I had their first album, their second album. No, no, no. Yeah. 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 And the funny thing is, you know, with more people on bikes, they'll better appreciate just how fast the fast kids are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. More respect, yo. Totally. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) I'm cool. It'll be very cool to watch this evolution. Yeah. Well, we've got our work cut out for us, Uh, but this is a gig I'm really excited about. I'm. Yeah. And I'm working with just the best people. So. All righty. Paceline picks. Let's do it. All right. Uh, mine is is a just a simple piece of clothing this week. I I always find every season I find like a little bit of a, a go to piece that is just just the right weight and just the right everything. And right now I'm I'm rocking this uh, gore gore. I don't know why you give your clothing such complicated names. That's the only com- <laughs> okay. Like this is the only complaint because when I go to tell people what it is, I'm like I have to look up the number and some. It's like code. Can't you give things like I know you're listening. Like, I give things simpler names. So it's the Gore Wear C3 Gore Windstopper Thermo Jacket Women's. I got that. So it's C3 Gore Windstopper Thermo Jacket. It's hibiscus. It's beautiful. It's got, um, but it's it's just the right sort of like barrier shell with the breathability that you expect from Gore, and it's sort of fuzzy inside and very long sleeves and high neck and just checks all the boxes for like that 30 almost less than 30 like that that temperature that's 
just cold enough that I, I need something that's harder core than my usual stuff. The big guns. And I, and, yeah. And all and all. And it's but it's very movable and, and breathable and it's not bulky. And I really appreciate that. So that is my pick this week. I have it in hibiscus pink and chestnut red. So it's also very high vis. And I appreciate that, too. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, it comes in at 180. I just the price point. But oh, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, it's given not bad. Stuff in that category, which is <laughs> so expensive <laughs> often. It can be three hundred dollars often. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm talking about exactly that category myself. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, we're so, all riding. We're riding in the cold now, folks. Yeah, so. cold and wet. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I've been fielding a lot of questions from both friends and readers lately about rain jackets, particularly among folk who are in Tacoma for cross nationals. Oh, it's yeah. funny. No one ever asks to stay dry anymore. That's when you know you're dealing with someone who has bought four or five or six rain jackets over the years. <laughs> yep. All anyone wants is to be able to stay comfortable on a yucky day. And that's a tall enough order, right? Yeah. What, what I do recommend for that combination of cold and wet, you know, that isn't quite bad enough to keep you inside. Uh, so I end up asking question, uh, a lot of questions about getting them focused on what they need. And mm -hmm. the big question is, you know, will you be out there long enough that you'll need to get to your pockets? Will you need to feed yourself? Mm -hmm. And sometimes with base miles, you can just pull over, pull up the rain jacket, right. get to your pockets and have a have a bite and then keep rolling. But there are times like in gravel events and some other stuff that you need to keep moving. And if you need to keep moving, especially if you think you're going to need it in an event. In that case, I recommend something like the Castelli Profetto, uh, which is right. sort of a first cousin of what you're talking about. That's what they used to call the Gabba. The, it's now the Profetto and yeah. essentially now the Profetto Ross. Um, and I haven't gotten the, this newest, latest version, so I don't know quite what the new distinction is other than taped seams. Um, you can see that on the, ex uh, on the exterior of the garment now. Uh, it's long sleeves, a little bit of insulation, not much though. These aren't really furry on the inside. So mm -hmm. there's the Castelli Gaba. Shimano has one in their S fire line. Uh, the, the wind stopper Jersey or something. Uh, seven mesh does one. It does two big pockets in back instead of three traditional pockets. Sportful does one and Pearl Izumi does something else along these lines. I haven't had a chance to try pearls yet. Giordana has a whole mess of options of these, kind of like Castelli in their Aqua plus Vento line. So they've got short sleeve stuff, long sleeve stuff, some at, you know, a lighter weight for, say, the, the 45 to 60 range for, for people who run cold like me or <laughs> 32 to 40 for everybody else. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they've got heavier ones and lighter ones. And one of the neat things about Giordana is that you can actually order those through their custom line. So you can get your team kit oh, nice. in that. Monsoon season has arrived here in, so in Sonoma County. And I tell you, this sort of stuff is what I'm going to live in for the next four months. Nice. I, yeah. I just, nice. if I didn't have a few choices, I would really be pretty uncomfortable, but it's how I stay out there. I put on one I of those it. things 
you know, you're damp on the inside, but it's damp at your body temperature, not mm-hmm. damp at whatever the air is. Well, that's that's key. That's what keeps you out there and not hypothermic. Yeah. And the other thing is you don't actually want these things to be too terribly heavy because on a slightly warmer day, you don't want to put on the lightest base layer you have and still be overheated. It's better to have multiple layers, uh, multiple mm-hmm. weights of base yeah. layer so that then you can dial it that way. Totally. And I've been, I've been really grateful for that. Um, yeah. So maybe next time I need to talk base layers. <laughs> <laughs> I have some thoughts there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's mine. Well, Hey everybody, that's another wrap on an episode of the pace line. Celine, you did a piece. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I think technically it came out last week about vaping. Mm-hmm. I live in Sonoma County where shall we say cannabis is a little on the prevalent side. And uh, I do encounter a lot of vaping of cannabis. Mm-hmm. I would say that among the people I know, there seems to be an attitude that if it doesn't feel as rough on your lungs as mm-hmm. smoking something, it can't be as bad for you. But your, your <laughs> article may not really support that. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason that I, that I, I actually pushed to do that because it's it it wasn't a the editors weren't super interested in it just because it's not like it's an odd take or it's an odd thing to put on our site. But I know so many people who vape cannabis and or THC, really, mm-hmm. and most of them used to smoke, you know, so like they would smoke a joint or they had a bowl or whatever, and they switched to vaping for health reasons because they thought that that would be better for their lungs. And it's hard to say that that's true. A, we don't know. We don't know. But the pulmonary, the pulmonologist I talked to, and I talked to three of them who are, who are very well-versed in the, the lung disease that we're seeing now, the vaping diseases right. that we're seeing, as well as just like, Lung mechanics, vaping in general, the history of all of that. And the concern with the vaping that most people are doing is that um, it's oil based and our lungs have cilia. You know, I mean, they they clean, they can take particle sort of stuff pretty well, but they Mm -hmm. don't really have a great mechanism for oil. Uh, So there's this this just this concern that if you're and people vape more than they smoke people because it's so discreet. So people are vaping way more than they would light something, actually smoke something up because it's easier to do. Hmm. It's easier to do in all different places because it doesn't really smell the same way. It's not combustion. You know, it's all that stuff. So it's a volume problem as well as maybe this, you know, and if you buy good THC from a dispensary, I mean, I can't, they, no one was willing to say, yeah, this is good. This is safe. Um, is it as bad as smoking marijuana? I mean, there was, there was debate among them, even that, like the, Hey, of course, the pulmonologists are like, don't put anything in your lungs, please stop. But, <laughs> you know, but, but they, that's they contractual that, obligation. Right? They, they understand that people are, but the one woman I talked to was really interested. And a couple of them agreed that if you had to choose a lesser of all these evils, the convection style vaping of the actual cannabis flower or bud itself is is 
prob is well, they all said. I mean, it's way safer than smoking for sure, and probably safer than vaping oil. Convection. Because, I don't even know what that is. Well, I mean, it's kind I, of like a little convection oven for. It's like a vaping thing, but it vapes. It dry vapes. It's called dry vaping. So it's, but it's not what most people are doing, where they're just buying a cartridge of oil and and vaping in a pen like pen. That's not quite the same. It's a different. It's a different apparatus. But they, the the experts that I interviewed for this piece were. They pretty much agreed on that, like that, that if there had to, if you had to pick like the devil that was not as bad, um, it would be that it would be a dry vaping. Um, you know, otherwise, if you're getting your stuff from a dispensary and all that, but it's, but don't think, hey, calm, don't think vaping is, is not, is innocuous for your lungs. Like that's, that's the take home message here is that we don't know because it's so new that people are doing this. Um, and it's just. You, even though, and I have vaped, I tried it and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like anything. Have you ever tried it? It feels yeah. like nothing. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, was it was almost a-, a joke. I took a giant draw <laughs> off this. I was like, and this one was like, oh my God, my friend's like, what, is, like, what are you we're, doing? We're going to peel you off the grass. <laughs> and I instantly loved everybody. Anyway, but that, like, <laughs> But I had no idea how much I was. It doesn't feel like anything. And that's I think there's a, a, oh, man, it's also news. So just be just use your head. Like if you're taking something into your lungs, it's your lungs have to deal with it no matter what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Um, and it's you know, it's I mean, we're cyclists. We need our lungs. You and need so- your lungs. And man, that vaping stuff is wicked. Like the, the eval, the diseases they're seeing, that's yeah. terrible. You do not want that. That's well, there's terrible. already a teen who's gotten a complete lung transplant. Yes, a it's teen. terrible. Terrible. Yeah. So, I, yeah. yeah. Scary stuff. Yeah. Be smart. Yeah. Um, alrighty, everybody. Uh, even though it's the end of the year and she's just covered a whole bunch of questions, I say keep them coming. <laughs> you all have been sending great stuff. So if you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Don't forget our Paceline kits from Primal. They're up in the RKP store. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Uh, As I mentioned last week, because of my new gig with CAMTB, the show will be on hiatus through the end of the year as I get up to speed on this job, but it will be back next year with a host of really cool interviews that I'm actively lining up. I'm pretty excited to have some of those conversations, I tell you. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.